Well, good morning, Identity Church. I'm going to go ahead and get us started. Um, I know that, you know, I've been teaching on the full armor of God, and I know that Pastor Brad came last week, did an awesome job about running our race. It was really encouraging to me because, you know, everybody has a race to run, and I really love the way that he brought about how we're supposed to run our race and how we're supposed to affect others. You know, we're supposed to pour in. I, I've got a, a son right here and I've got a daughter. And, and they, you know, I put into them as much as I possibly can. And, you know, and before you know it, they became good, upstanding people. It's because of the Word of God, not because of what I did. I'm just going to tell you straight up. You know, I loved why God picked Abraham. God picked Abraham because he said that he knew that he would teach his children. Now, I will tell you this. Abraham was not real good at believing God and staying with God all the time and doing everything that God told him to do. I mean, how many people know that it probably would not work out real well in a marriage if you got taken over by a king and you went and told, told the king that your wife was your sister just so you wouldn't die? Probably not a good marriage, you know, that, that would not be something good for your marriage. In fact, there would need to be some counseling probably for that. But Abraham, whatever God told him, he told to his kids. Whatever Abraham learned, he gave to his kids. Whatever Abraham got or earned, he gave to his kids. And so I just think that it's awesome when we think about our race that we need to run. So that was really awesome. I, I was so glad to have Pastor Brad uh, come and talk to us last week about that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue with the full armor of God. Um, probably some of y'all don't even remember this, but I did a small little teaching on the full armor of God. And I had several people go, we need a little bit more of that. So that's why I'm going through this. But I think that there's some awesome areas here that it touches on things like peace. It touches on truth and planting the right seed. It touches on faith is what we're going to talk about today. And so I think that they're not just good reminders, but it's a way for us to live our life. It's a way for us to actually say every single day, I'm going to put on this full armor. I'm not going to walk around with half armor. You know, it'd be really bad if you said, well, you know what? I don't like the helmet of salvation too much. Uh, you know, it just, it makes my head sweat, right? <laughs> so I'm not going to put the helmet of salvation on today. Well, then you're not going to have your mind renewed. If you don't put on the, the chest plate of righteousness, then you're going to walk around and you're not going to know that you're in right standing with God. Because what if, what if somebody come up to you and they were being real, you know, that they were being uh, twerky. You know, have you ever had those people that's just, you know, they're tooky. They, they want to tell you something just to make you upset. You know, I, I used to, when I was in school, you'd have these people and they would, they would know something was going to make you upset. And they would go, oh, you're ugly. You, you know? Well, so if you, if you walked around and you knew that somebody didn't like something, you would like pick on it, right? Well, that's what the world does to us. It doesn't maybe always call us ugly, which... Some people might get that, but the world comes along with something 
to change the way we see ourselves. It's an identity, if you will. You know, if your identity is all caught up in what the world says about you, or, hey, my identity is caught up in my job or in my whatever it is. If it's I played sports or whatever. You know, I was my identity was really caught up in football when I was in high school. Hold on, train's coming. <laughs> Want to make sure he doesn't blow the horn. Okay, well, that's not too bad. But the my identity was caught up in football. Well, guess what? After high school, I didn't have much use for that. See, everything that we do in life, if we put our identity in it and not our identity in who we are in Christ Jesus, then some, something's going to come along and take that other identity from you. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to, to decipher where do I go in my life. But if your identity is in Christ alone, then you can change jobs every other Wednesday and you'd probably be, you know, and you'll just say, praise God, I'm just a part of the Lord. Do you know that that's where we need to be? So having our chest plate of righteousness, you know, that is so, it's almost like a badge, if you will. You wear it and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How about this? I want you to say it after me. I am the righteousness of God, I am the righteousness of God in, Christ Jesus. in Christ Jesus. Do you know that when you got saved, he made you a new creature. He put that badge, that breastplate on you. But if we ever take it off and people start going, I, ah, you're not, you know what? You may not have even gotten saved. Ah, you, you know, you're not, you're not really a Christian, are you? How about this? How about you're not, a, you're not a good person? Well, you know what? If my goodness was just enough in myself, then I'm, every other week I'm going to find something that I was not good at. I didn't do good. I didn't act good. And guess what? But if I wear the righteousness of God, that means that no matter what I did, no matter what I, I didn't do, then I still have right standing with God. Man, there should be some shouting. We should be running around this place and we should be going, Woo! Because I don't have to worry about what I did yesterday. Now, let me ask you a question. If you do something to somebody, do you need to say, I'm sorry? Absolutely. But So if you sin, you need to go, God, I'm sorry. But you shouldn't go around going, God, am I righteous today? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So putting on that breastplate of righteousness. Hey, how about this one? We, we talked about it. It's wearing the, the, the loin protection of truth. Your seed needs to have truth. Whatever you plant, it needs to be in truth. Because if not, it will be just like what Jesus said in the parable, where you will have, where you'll have wheat and chaff. See, we need to put the truth in and not lies. What's a, what's a good lie that we could have? A good lie is that, well, you're not going to make it. You're never going to have enough. You're never going to be enough. Your family's going to leave you. You know what? That's lies. 
Because even if the people that you consider family today left you, God's going to send you other people. You know that one of the things about putting truth into our life is that we find out in the word of God what the truth is. And then we say that. You know, one of the things that one of the things I I hear people say all the time is, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go on vacation because I have a knee issue or I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this because I have an elbow issue. Well, you know what? I don't know. The word says a little little thing like, you know, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. It's Philippians 4.13. That by his stripes, I was healed. So if I was healed, then I am health. Okay, that's 1 Peter 2.24. Do you know that if I go and find the truth, then from that point until, and I'm going to be honest with you, this is kind of like what I was talking about right after worship is that our flesh will have issues with having just alone times with God. Do you know that when we go to start speaking it, you know, if, if we've got this big vacation planned every day, if I've got an issue or I can't go or I can't do, guess what? In the world, that's what it says. But every single day I said, I'm going to be able to go. I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. I can do what God has put me on this earth to do, is to be a part of my family, is to be a part of things that are going on. I'm not going to recluse myself just because I can't do something. Because guess what? You keep speaking it and the Lord will keep telling you, hey, this is what you need to do. I'm going to tell this because, you know, I just love this testimony it just happened i used it last week i'm gonna use it again i've been having a knee problem back in october i i I twisted my knee well throughout those two and a half months or so i started having issues and i would pray and believe god and and it would get better but then it would like flare back up and i would go back and forth back and forth well you know i think it was uh new year's day I just said, in the name of Jesus, I am healed. And I just started kind of ministering on that. Well, you know what happened? Both my mom and my dad, both of them said, my knees got healed. Do you know that that testimony of me standing here and going, it's going to happen. They both, dad came to me and said, well, I didn't want to steal your thunder. So I wasn't going to say anything. I was like, Dad, you come steal it anytime you want to. Y'all come up here, I'll let you, I'll let you give that testimony yourself. But do you know that that like a week and a half later, my son-in-law, their their washer and dryer broke. And so I had to go help pick up a washer and dryer. So my son-in-law comes to the house. So I run upstairs to go get something, and I had this loud pop in my knee. I thought, oh my gosh. I've ripped everything out of my knee. It just, that's the way it felt. It ran down into my leg. Well, I ended up going to the, to the joint doctor and everything. They looked at it. They said, nope, you look good. So then I went to physical therapy. They said, they said, yeah, it looked like your fibular head came out and went back in place. Do you know that for two and a half months, I didn't, my fibular head was out? I was walking around on half a leg. I mean, literally. 
And do you know that when it popped back in, it hurt like you would not believe. And it was like a week of just agony. But you know that little by little, the Lord just kept putting it back in. And all those muscles, all those nerves, they came back into place. And do you know that I am so, man, I'm doing stuff that I can't, I could not do before. You know, well, I could do it before October. But between October and, and this time period a couple weeks ago I couldn't do it you know what I just kept saying in the name of Jesus I'm not going to live this way I want y'all to say in the name of Jesus I'm not going to live this way amen amen so anyway I'm going I'm to keep moving on so I can actually get to my message today okay so when we look at, at well, and also the feet um, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, if you've got your salvation right, if you've got your, your righteousness and God right, then everywhere you go, you're going to have the peace of God that's going to go with you. You're going to be able to walk into situations where there is strife and you will bring peace. I, last week I said, hey, there's a different, you know, I, I kind of wanted to take the, the full armor of God back when it was the Roman times. And so I took our military and I kind of just did a little side by side comparison. Because even today we use an armor when we go into battle. And I got news for you. Don't think you don't go into a battle every single day. Every single day the world is coming at you. Cutting you with a thousand cuts to try to get you to stop. So as you can see, you got the helmet of salvation. Well, well, our soldiers over here, they've got a helmet. They got like the flap jackets, and they even have you know the 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 pelvic piece that goes around. You know, like the 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 loin of of truth. You know, we have the same needs nowadays. This wasn't just an idealism back during Paul's day or back when the Bible was being written. Oh, well, that, they needed armor back then because of swords. No, no, no. It's even worse now. You know, most of this armor that we carry or that our military carries today is to protect from IED shrapnel more than it is being shot with a gun. Do you know that this is not too much different than what we find in God's word about what the devil does to us. Because in uh, verse 16 of, of Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Above all, take the shield of faith, which with you will be able to quench all the fiery darts. This word quench right here in the Greek means to extinguish or to put out. It means that if it's going to catch you on fire, the shield of faith is the thing that's going to stop the burning. And see, like with IEDs, with, with all that kind of stuff, that thing blows up 100, 150 feet away from you. It kills everybody. See, that's what I want you to understand is God is saying that even the minute piece of shrapnel, the dart that's coming from a long, far way away is the thing you need to worry about. 
It's not somebody coming up to you and going, I, you know, I'm persecuting you for the, for the gospel. I mean, some of that is there. But that's not what this is talking about. The devil does not work like that on a daily basis. On a daily basis, the devil shoots a bunch of darts at you. Trying to pull you down. Trying to make you doubt God's word. Trying to make you doubt the things that he's called you to do. You know, a lot of people think, well, you know, the callings of God are without repentance. You know, God's calling is not for you to go into the ministry. There's very few people that actually go into the ministry overall. You know, you may just be called to walk across the street and go talk to a neighbor. You may be called to just go and into a store and pay for somebody's food. You know, when God talks to you, it's not angels. Oh, it may be I'm walking down the street and all of a sudden somebody's, somebody's there and I just know in my heart I'm supposed to do something for that person. The call does not look like, well, there was 12 people that were laying hands on me and they were all praying in tongues and we all, most of the time the call is as, is as small as a whisper. And see, the fiery darts, there are a thousand pinpricks trying to come in and trying to take each little area of your life. And see, that's one of the reasons why I'm, these fiery darts, they're like a spear, an arrow, a long-range weapon. Satan doesn't do things in your face. Satan doesn't have any power to do anything against you. But if he can get you to start believing like he believes then you know what happens? He can get you to do what he wants you to do. Satan's not the little devil running around with a little hook tail and going, ugh. You know, we think that, that you know, um, I, I watched a video. People were talking about, you know, Satanism is on the rise. Like satanic church is on the rise. Do you know why it's on the rise? It's because they don't say all hell Satan all the time. They say all hell me. Do you know that the number one thing about the satanic church nowadays that they're trying to get into people's hearts and minds for the young people is that they go, you can do anything that you want to and it will be okay. In fact, all of our rituals for every single thing is okay. Well, you know what? That wasn't in your face. That just made, I mean, how many people, if I told you anything that you do is okay? A lot of people would be like, I like that a whole lot more than I probably don't need to do stuff that I'm not supposed to do. Man, that, it got quiet. I don't know why it did. But there are people that are drawn to whatever will be, will be. Go right ahead. Do you know that the fiery darts, they look like pieces of gold. They look like something that, oh, this is real. This, this is simple. Some of it is, some of it is, yes, you're not good enough. Sometimes it's, you're not going to be enough. But sometimes it's, you know what? Just go ahead and give up. You know, when you give up, you give in, and then he has a foothold 
to help control what you do. It's not like the puppet master. You know, I was talking to a guy at work one time, and this was years and years ago, and he was a, um, he was a youth minister in his church, and he did all these really good things in the church and everything. Well, then he, his wife cheated on him. He got a divorce, and he went and did, a, you know, just a bunch of bad stuff happened. Well, besides turning back to God, what he did is he said, Hey, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. And so I was just talking to him, and I, and I asked him, because somebody said, well, you, you know, because I've always done like, youth and praise and worship and stuff when we were at VCF, Victor Christian Fellowship. And so one of the guys that knew him real well said, hey, uh, you know, Steve is a, was a youth pastor. And the moment that they said this, I went, huh? Because youth pastor and Steve didn't go along with each other, right? So I, I, I sort of, okay, tell me about that. And he goes, no, he goes, I was in the church. He goes, I was in the church more than the pastor. He said, we did everything. I went on mission trips. I went on, and he just told me all this awesome stuff that he did. And then he started talking about his wife, and he called her blankety blanks and everything else and said, hey, this is the, the worst thing that could have ever, you know, it, she, she completely ruined it. And I went, so you were following your wife and not Jesus. You know that the darts came at him and besides using faith to quench them, he just said, well, I guess I've been hit. Let me go ahead and just be like everybody else. But he went and did it twice as bad. Some of the stuff he was doing actually got him fired a couple of years later. Do you know that in every single thing that we do, the wicked one comes along and he shoots darts. Yes, Steve's, Steve's um, you know, wife left him and did all this bad stuff. But guess what? All he had to do is go, well, I ain't got her no more, but I still got Jesus. And so our faith, our trust in who he is should have been what was sustaining him. But he turned to the bottle. He turned to hard drugs. He turned to womanizing he turned to a lot of different things and you know what was really weird about this was all the things i just mentioned right there that he turned to they all at one time got him fired it wasn't just one of those things it was all three and i was i was shocked because when they told me it was like oh man you should have been here that day it was wild well you know what the problem is is that when one dart hits us and we don't use our faith to put it out. What happens when something catches on fire? Little by little it spreads. So we need to have this shield of faith to be able to, to quench those fiery darts. So, you know, faith is God's side of the matter. You know, fear is fear and doubt. That's, dev, that's the devil's side. That's what he uses. He uses the, the, well, if, you know, if you do this, then you're going to be alone. If you do this, you're not going to have the right things in your life. But God always says, no, I'm going to use, I'm going to use 
the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you into all the truth. In fact, faith is God's side of the matter. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For the elders, so all these people in the past, like Abraham and, and Sarah and David and all these different people that God talked to, they obtained a good testimony. Now, some people say the word report here. That is a wrong translation if you've got report in your Bible. You know why? Because a testimony means that I testified that something awesome happened. Does that make sense to everybody? If I use my faith and afterwards it was like, man, something happened. I gave a testimony about myself, my dad, and my mom. Do you know what? I get a good testimony out of that because I just kept standing. Even on one leg, I just kept standing. But see, this is the thing, is that when we use our faith, at the end of our faith, there is a good story to tell. How about this? I remember me and my cousin. I'm probably going to tell one or two cousin stories. Chris, Chris Elrod, he, I love him. He, he's, a, he's very... Uh, he was very charismatic in his way of getting in trouble. But we, when I was a kid, he would, you know, he would, we would go places and go around and we would just get into the worst things. So we decided, I mean, I'm like 16 years old. I've got a full beard. So I went in and I, he wanted some, some cigars. And the only place we knew to get them was over at the Galleria. There was this smoke shop over there. And they had like the humidors, you know. So Chris was like, hey, let's go get some cigars. So I go in there and I buy them. The guy doesn't even card me. He doesn't do anything. I buy these cigars. We're coming out of the place over there where the Winfrey Hotel is or whatever it is now. But it's that long little curve thing right there. Well, back in the in the early 90s, they had these huge like carved out swans that were right beside the signs they were shrubs that had been carved into these like swan heads with a g type deal well so chris um in the good redneck fashion that it was we he had no brakes most of the time because his master cylinder on his car was always busted okay so we're going flying down this road probably faster than we needed to be and besides hitting the car in the back that was, that was parked down there waiting on the red light, he's in the left lane. He jumps the curb and he runs slap over this swan. And I'm talking about there is brake fluid and everything else is just pouring out into where they probably could not even put another shrub back. In fact, nowadays it's just a huge sign because probably there's still brake fluid from his car but my whole point behind this is, is, that, is that when we started seeing, when we had this happen, I had to get out of the car because we were stuck on top of the swan. And I had to bounce it up and down, up and down, up and down. And he's putting it in reverse. He's kicking sh- like all this dirt and, and, you know, just like wood chips and everything. I'm covered. The front tire is just like kicking it up on me. Now, we get off of this thing, we're trying to get off of it because you know what happens if Hoover, Hoover gets a hold of you? We go to jail. 
No matter if it was an accident or not, the way it looked, <laughs> like we tried to do that. But do you know that we got out of there and for the last 30 years, I've been going around going, here's a story I could tell. Now, it's not a good testimony, but it is a good story. Do you know that sometimes, you know, when we use our faith, we go on a mission trip and we see people that are set free, that get saved, that get healed. We, we go into our streets and we pay for somebody's lunch and we pray for them. And we see them get saved, get set free. Do you know that there's saved people walking around here that are not set free? I mean, definitely. So, you know what? Our ministry is not just, well, where's the sinners? Well, they, they be all out here. I'm not worried about the sin. If you're saved or if you're, or, or if you're not saved, you both need Jesus. You both need to be set free. Now, the person who is saved has the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. So it's a little bit easier to minister to them. You don't have to do as much explaining, and you also don't have to, you know, preach the gospel to them most of the time. But they still need to be set free. Do you know that when we have a good story to tell, we need to tell that to others. Verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which were seen were not made of the things which are visible. We already know. The world even admits this. That there was a big bang. There was something that happened where there was nothing. And then now we have all of our stuff. Well, if that's the case, if people believe that there was nothing, whatever you want to call it, which I don't really buy into the whole big bang thing and you know the little everything came out of a pinprick but god himself when he said let there be light all the stars were created when he said let there be without form and void on the earth guess what happened all the world started coming to be let there be water and the faces of the water, both in the deep and, and above. These things happened at his word. Means that God was, was not without faith. You know, today we all walk around and we kind of watch our words sometimes, but unless we're just really, you know, have you ever found those people who were overconfident? Everything they said, it was like, Oh, yeah, well, I can do that. Well, I can do that. Well, I can do that. Or I've already done it. Oh, I did it better, right? I always love the, 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 oh, yeah, well, I've already done that, and I've done it better. Do you know that in everything that we do, whether it's working, if it's out in life, if it's teaching our kids, you know, I was telling Caleb yesterday, you know, I played football in high school. Uh, I played guitar. I did all these different things. And do you know that not one time did I enforce upon Caleb to do something that he didn't want to do? You know why? Because he's not me. In fact, he's built a whole lot different than I am. I mean, he, he probably weighs 200 pounds right, right there. I was 
200 pounds when I was born. So, I mean, it, it's a whole lot different. I mean, th- this was just, you know. So, when he started playing baseball, I told him, I said, you, you don't have to play. He played for a few years. He enjoyed it. He liked it. He was one of the best left-handed uh, hind catchers I've ever seen. I haven't really seen any, but he's one of the best ones I've seen. And I actually taught him how to throw down third by, by scooting past the plate. And that's one of the reasons why you don't see too many left-handed hind catchers is because it's hard to throw down to third if you wanted me to teach you some baseball stuff there. But my whole point behind this is, is that he wanted to do that. Okay, I let him. You know, he's playing lacrosse right now. I know nothing about lacrosse. I mean, absolutely nothing. Do you know that I didn't try to make him play football? I didn't try to make him play guitar. He wanted to learn how to play piano. I helped him out. He wanted to learn how to play drums. When we first moved into this building, he took the time and he did it. I don't play drums. Do you know that one of the reasons why I bring this up is because This is something that we need to understand about where God is at in our lives. Our overconfidence or our underconfidence, it will change our life, but it will also change the lives of people that are around us. But if we're balanced between His Word and between His Spirit, then I can be led by the Spirit to help Him do whatever He needs to do, and I can also give Him the Word so that He can... He can launch and do the things he's supposed to do. This is the same in life. If you work a job, you're having to balance it between the Word of God and the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God is going to have to teach you how to navigate and the Word of God is going to give you the foundation to be able to float into these bad areas. See, we need to understand that when God framed the world, he had faith in what he said. We need to have faith in what we say by the word of God and allow the spirit of God to propagate us into the right areas. So so if you keep going down here in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 34, we find that it says, And what more shall I say? For the time would have failed me, which means that, hey, I don't have enough time to tell you about people like Gideon and Barak, and Samson, and Japheth, and David, and Samuel, and all of the prophets. Verse 33, For for through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire. See, when these fiery darts come, we don't typically see them as actual physical fire. But we know that there are people who, they were burned. You know, John, uh, you know, John the Beloved that wrote the actual uh, gospel of John. Do you know that they boiled him in oil? Like there was a vat of oil. They boiled him in the oil. When they told him, get out, he popped out of the oil and he was not singed or burned. Do you know that this is, These are some of the things that God said, hey, I've still got some stuff for you to do. You know that that he quenched the fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became uh, 
uh, vigilant in battle, turning the flames of the armies of the aliens. Yes, this is for alien invasion. If we have the people come down, they start trying to take over. We have to have faith. No. See, people that were coming from the outside that weren't supposed to be there. You know, sometimes we look at, you know, especially nowadays, how many people know that when we hear aliens other than the space ones, it's usually illegal aliens, right? Well, it's because they're not supposed to be there. They've not went through the, the, you know, through the process of becoming a part, right? So, like, my, my sister-in-law is from Mexico. I mean, she and her family came over here when she was like 15. She's a U.S. citizen. Well, she's not an alien anymore. She's not an illegal alien. She's a part. Okay? So my whole point behind this is, is that when we're a part of the faith of God, then that means we're supposed to be there. You know, some of these people, they had good intentions, but they weren't supposed to be there. They were the aliens that they were talking about that was coming in and trying to take over or, or to do things that they weren't supposed to do. You know, we need to know where our part is to play, and we need to play that part. We have, you know, what if we have weak faith? Then we need to lean on Jesus. One of the people that they quenched the fire was, we'll find out, um, you know, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3, verse 24, it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he arose in haste and spoke, and saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They, they answered and said, King, true, O king. Look, he answered, and I see four men loose walking around in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. See, this was pre-incarnate Christ, Jesus. Do you know that when we step out in faith, you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got, you've got Jesus, and you've got the Father that are all indwelled in the things that you are supposed to be doing. Your faith is to stand and know that they're in the midst with you. In fact, it says here in Daniel uh, 3.27, And they saw these men, and on their bodies in the fire had no power. The hair of their head were not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. It means that there was like a force shield of the Holy Spirit that was around these guys. And they're walking around in the flame and the and the fire and the smoke and all these different things are happening and it's not even close to them they didn't even come out sweating you know that the whole point behind behind this was they decided to stand up to the king because the king had gotten into this thing where if they blew the horn you had to go bow to the king as god and they said oh king you live forever but I'm not going to worship you. I'm going to worship God. And he was like, okay, well, I'm going to give you another chance. And he blew the horn again and they didn't do it. And they were like, oh, you know, his, his temple people were like, hey, they didn't do it again. So the third time, you know, King's like, hey, I really like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I, I want them to, to live. But I've already, I've already been 
deceived into doing this. So he does it one more time and they said no. And it really angered the king. And so that's why he made, the, he made it like five times hotter, the furnace. Do you know that like a bunch of people died trying to make the furnace hotter? Do you know that when we get caught in our deception, when we get caught in the things that are happening in our world, do you know that a lot of times there's casualties? But if we're led by the Spirit of God, everybody that's a part of that, they make it through and they're not singed. Something to think about. In fact, I would, I'm asking you guys to think on that this week. That there are times where, where if we allow Satan to, he will put us in a position where we can't back out. And if we keep going then what we're going to do is we're just going to make it worse and make it worse and make it worse. Guess who looked like the idiot? The king. The king actually lost street cred, if you will. And it was because he didn't back out. Now the, the one true God shined out over the king that thought he was God. So if Jesus, Jesus is in the midst of your problem if you rely on his name. See, we have authority in his name. We can say, in the name of Jesus, I'm saying that it's going to work. Say that. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus it's going to work. Matthew 8, 20, it says, for, there, for where there are two or three gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. You know that whenever you use the name of Jesus and you have people that are gathered together, do you know that we can, we can put the name of Jesus on here? He's in the midst of us. That's one of the reasons why we need church. I, I got news for you. You go sit at home and you watch me on, on live stream and you're the only one there. Well, there's not a two. There's no one to agree with. That's one of the great things about having a church family is that even, hey, there's people that they are believing, but their spouse may not be believing. You know what? You need to go over and find somebody you can believe with so you can get an agreement because the power of agreement is, is awesome. All right, I got to keep moving it. So the darts are just roaring loudmouth. It's just a loud mouth that's, that's throwing these darts at us. You know, one of the things that I think that happens a lot of time is that we allow the bark to become worse than the bite and we actually get more afraid of the bark. You know, I watched a video of this guy who was an Amazon driver and he was walking up and there was this big bulldog. And he didn't see it until he got right up to the, right up to the front door. Well, the bulldog was just sitting there going. <laughs> and this guy is just, he, 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 he started sweating and he pulls out his phone and he's like, do I call somebody? What do I just throw? I mean, you can hear him talking. Do I just throw the package and turn around and run? I mean, what do I do? Well, the dog goes. Eh. So eventually the neighbor goes, hey, he's not going to bite you. Or she's not going to bite you. And he goes up and he puts it down. 
He turns around and he runs off. You know, that dog just stood there. I'm going to just sit there. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're, not, we're more afraid of the look or we're more afraid of nothing. You don't even have to have a bark. you already been bit. You ever, you ever seen people that they've already been bit? Uh, it, you, can, you can pick them out. You, I remember playing football. I love these football stories. I remember playing football. You would always look down the line, and if the guy in front of you, if he, if he had that look, because typically I was a whole head taller than everybody I played against. So if I could get in his head on the first play, that's what I did. And so I would try to kill him that first play. And you know why? It's because when I watched his eyes, I saw he's already bit. You know, I could really pummel this guy like the first couple of plays. We might have had to have kicked a, you know, kick the ball or, or whatever. We never even made it down the field. But if I can get in this guy's head, then the rest of the game, I'm cruising. All I got to do is go put my hands on him. He's going to go where I want him to go. Do you know that if we're bit already, then Satan doesn't even have to talk. He, he may not even have to roar. You're already afraid of things that you can't control. And guess what? If you're afraid of the things you can't control, you got a crocodile with no teeth that's controlling you all day long. You know, Satan was disarmed by Jesus. He went and took death, hell, and the grave away from him. You know, Satan, and I'm not going to teach on Job, but Job's whole purpose was Satan had power over him. You know, when Jesus came back, when Jesus came to the earth, when Jesus started using his authority, Satan didn't have that power after he took the keys from him. You know, I, I could sit here and teach on Job and tell you that Job himself had two problems. Problems we didn't have. You know, problems that the world has. You know, Satan has a lot more teeth for people in the world than he has for us. See, what you need to understand is that he's all roar and no bite for Christians. Does that mean that he can't hurt you? The answer is no. Only if we resist him can he not hurt us. And I want you to understand that because it would be kind of like this. It would be kind of like that guy that I was talking about. It would be like my son right now. I can tell my son to go do something. I can say, hey, I need a bottle of water. He'll go run and get me a bottle of water. Well, you know, if Satan has already got a rapport with you, he'll tell you to do stuff and you'll just go do it. He doesn't need to bite you. He's already got you. But the moment that you know if you don't resist, then he'll just keep pushing you and pushing you. Even Christians, he's not going to bite you. There's Christians that willingly do what the devil wants him to do. Willingly. And you go, well, how is that? Go find a Christian that is, uh, that's an alcoholic. Go find a Christian that's a drug addict. Go find a Christian that has went and had an affair on, on their spouse. Go find a Christian that gets mad and angry and lashes out at people. You go find one of those Christians, you're finding one that in one or two areas in their life all Satan has to do is just go, wouldn't this be nice? 
Doesn't this feel good? James 4, 7, Submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. All right. So I'm, I'm landing this plane here. Do you know that one of the things that I want you to walk away with today is that faith has a weight. We have to understand that faith and doubt are two weights that can level themselves out, that, that can overcome. In Romans 12, 3, it says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to everyone who is among you, not to think more highly of themselves than they ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. You know that this measure of faith is a weight. It means that every person who has received Jesus has received a measure of faith. Actually, I also think this has to do with the world. The world has to have faith in order to be able to, to do something. But they just don't have faith in Jesus. You know, I can have faith in lots of things. I can have faith in, you know, uh, the U.S. military. I can have faith in uh, my job. I can have faith in all kinds of things. But you know, at the end of the day, those are going to fail you. But the faith in Jesus Christ, it will never fail you. In fact, right here, we can see that I have a, an old-time um, you know, weight system here. And on one side, you got faith, and on one side, you got doubt. And everybody knows Mark eleven twenty three. See, Mark eleven twenty two is the one that I like to scream and holler about, that you know, after the fig tree had died, Peter goes, man, that fig tree died, just like you said, Lord. And Jesus turns around and goes, have faith in God. What are you so excited about a faith, faith in a fig tree? Didn't you just walk on water? Didn't you just feed 5,000? Didn't you just see me flip the tables over in the, you know, and, and like scatter all of the army that was in there? And you're so happy about a fig tree. Awesome. But Mark eleven twenty three says, Verily I say unto you that whatsoever things that, or I'm sorry, that, what, whatsoever you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever things he saith. Now I want you to understand something. What he's saying is, is that doubt can stop you from moving that mountain. In fact... Not too, not too long before this, in Mark chapter six, he went into his own hometown and he could get no one set. He could get no one set free, no one healed because they did not believe. He was astonished by their doubt. But see, on the other side, in Mark fourteen, it says, "So he he said, come to Peter. They're out on the water. Peter goes and he's walking on the water." And the thing that he said to him was, he said, Peter goes, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. Well, it'd be a little bit like, you know, if you said, Dusty, if it is you, give me $20. No, it's not me, guys. Sorry. No, Jesus is going, okay, well, you just put me, you just put me behind the eight ball. I've got to, I got to now go, okay, well, come. 
So Jesus is walking out on the water. There's a big storm. Peter sees it. He sees that it's Jesus. He said, bid me come if it is you, Lord. And so Jesus says, come. So Peter stepped out on the water and he's walking. And you know what's crazy about this? Is that when we get into this, Peter had come out of the boat and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was bolsterous, he was afraid and began to sink. Let me ask you a question. How many people have jumped into water? I don't care if it's in a swimming pool, if it's in the ocean, if it's in a lake, and you began to sink. I mean, anybody? Anybody had that experience? Do you know that, that that's what happens to us? What? you know, barring us walking on water. But do you know that one dart comes at us and hits us? It doesn't make us go, and we fall into doubt. No, we have Satan throw one dart at us, and then we sink a little. We have another dart, and we sink a little. We just keep sinking until finally we're over our head. And you're needing people to help pull you up out of the mire. And it says right here, and he said, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said unto him. And this right here gets a lot of people twerked off. There's a lot of people that they read this and they go, oh, I, I just don't know if I believe that. Well, Jesus said it. So let's, let's not, you know, let's believe what Jesus says. Okay. Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Now, did Jesus go, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry that all the waves and everything were happening around you. And that you saw it before you said, Lord, come. Because it had been happening for hours. In fact, they were going to probably capsize and die. Peter's the one that said, hey, I'm willing to step out. No, Jesus, cat, like, he, he went after Peter here. And he said, he said, why did you doubt? You know, it, to me, Jesus, I think, in a lot of ways is telling us, why did you doubt? You've seen so many awesome things in your life. What caused you to doubt on this one thing? I mean, it would have been one thing if Peter had stepped off the water and all of a sudden went, you know, and, and went into the water. Well, if that had happened, then Jesus would have went, okay, probably just picked him up, put him back in the boat. But how many people know that if you actually jumped off the boat and you land on solid water and you start running, you start walking? I mean, that is a completely different thing. When was it that he said, hey... This ain't going to work because of the wind and the waves. You know, most of the time we're walking in the Lord, everything's good, and we've got faith, and we're, we're trucking along really good, and all of a sudden a wind or a wave comes along, and it causes us to doubt. And then we sink, and we sink, and we sink. And it says here, it says here, and when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. You know, most of the time when, 
when things happen in our life, when, when we're believing God for something, when we're standing in faith for something, that's when the wind comes up. That's when Satan's going to come at you the worst. He's going to throw something at you to make you stop. You notice the moment that he didn't have to use his faith anymore, it all stopped. It became crystal clear. The water became just perfect like a sheet of glass. The wind stopped. You know why? Because when you're not fighting against Satan, you're going in the same direction. It all looks good to you there. You know, it's when we start turning upstream that it starts getting turbulent. And we need to do that. We need to, we need to turn upstream. We need to start believing God for the things that He has put on our heart. We need to get to a place to where the wind and the waves, uh, it's just a part of my life. But I'm perfectly and and happy to continue on my path. Well, what if you get blown off course? Well, I'm just going to keep walking. I'm going to keep walking in the faith that Jesus has put on the inside of me. And it's going to outweigh the doubt. Matt, you come on up. When faith kicks in, the storms come out. That's a truth. I'm going to tell you the moment, and you're going to get opportunity this week, I believe. You're going to get opportunity to either doubt and sit down or either walk and have faith. And what's going to happen is, is that wind and rain and things like that, and I'm not trying to predict the weather. I know it's going to get bad out there at one point. But what I want you to understand is that it's not always physical. It could be mental. It could be spiritual. It could be friendships, relationships. It could be family. It could be whatever it is. Oh, Lord, what are you doing? I was believing and and this happened. And I was believing and this other thing happened with my family. You know what? It meant it was working. And Satan was trying to stop you. Can I get an amen? Satan was trying to stop you. You were walking good. You were out there on the water. And you were looking right in the eyes of Jesus. But the moment you took your eyes off of him and you saw the other stuff, then now you started doubting. And guess what? If you just keep walking, yes, all that wind and all that water, you got a little wet. So what? Keep walking. Let Jesus be the thing that you focus on and you will make it to the end and then the wind and the rain will go away you won't have a wave anywhere so if you allow your shield of faith to block those doubts they're coming at me oh I felt some I felt something that was wet or oh I felt the fire just a little bit well you know what you didn't get burned keep moving Keep going. Don't stop. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. I want to... I'm going to pray. I know, Lacey, you've got a a surgery coming up. I want to pray over that. But... I want 
everybody in here, as your, as your eyes are closed, your head is bowed, I want you to think about the things that you know that you're supposed to be doing. It may be for your family, it may be for your job, it may be for something else, but you keep getting opposition to it. It may be your own health. You keep getting opposition. You know what? I want you to make it as a as like a, a, a banner this week to say, no, I'm going to push through that. I'm not going to sit back. I'm just going to keep doing what I know that I'm supposed to do because that's what I know to do. Don't let the wind and the waves come and knock you off course. Just keep going. Don't let yourself begin to sink. Keep walking. Don't let your faith shield down and then you get hit by the fiery dart. You may go, Dusty, my, it's hard to hold that shield up. Yeah. But you know what? If you keep walking, if you keep going, there'll be times of rest. If you keep going, you keep walking, there'll be times of peace. If you keep going, you keep walking, then you will subside the tide. So Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just thank you right now that each and every person that's listening to the sound of my voice, I thank you, Father, that those areas in which there has been direct opposition, I thank you, Father, that you are helping by the Holy Spirit to push through in these areas. I thank you, Father, that there is going to be areas of, of, of increase, that there's breakthrough that's going to happen this week if we just keep walking, that we don't let ourselves sink back, but we just continue to walk and walk and walk. I thank you, Father, that we don't backslide in the spirit, but sometimes we'll backslide in our mind and and where our faith is towards whatever it is. And Father, I just thank you, dear Lord, that we're not backsliding no more in faith, but we're continuing to move forward. And I just thank you, dear Lord, that there's going to be breakthrough this week. Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, I'm going to be down here at the front after the service to pray. If you have any prayer requests. But if there's nothing else, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you. Y'all have a great week. Amen.